This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode 363. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your substitute host, Jacob Paulson. Riley is unavailable today. We are keeping him too busy doing other things. And so I have with me today special guest, Brian McLaughlin. How did I do? McLaughlin. I, I avoid saying Brian's last name because I'm always embarrassed. I'm going to st- mess it up. And because I avoid it all the time, of course, that means I'm more likely to mess it up. And uh, that's how that goes. But Brian is a part of the concealedcare.com team, and I invited him to join me today. We're going to discuss a really cool topic. We're going to break down a fact pattern we've seen in the last four and a half months, different incidents that are all very eerily similar. And I would add that they, they're unique. Like to me, it's like, wow, crazy. And it's like, what again, again, again. And I'm just like freaking out uh, because it's, it seems so bizarre that we would have something like this. I'll give you a slight hint. And that is that we're talking about cops shooting gun owners. Before we do that though, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by our No Gun Control Week. So No Gun Control Week is something we do once a year, and uh, this year we picked this week to do it because of the upcoming Second Amendment rally, uh, which is this coming weekend in D.C. So No Gun Control Week is a week where we highlight uh, content, articles that uh, we have on our website that we think are particularly share-worthy, that uh, address high-topic political issues like magazine capacity limitations, uh, supposed assault rifles, you know, universal background checks, red flag laws, things like that. And we also uh, do a big sale. Right now it's 20% off site wide. And it's pretty hard to beat that. Outside of being a member of Guardian Nation and getting access to like our member only sales, 20% off site wide is about as good as it gets on concealedcarry.com. So be sure to go check that out at, uh, you know, I think our, I think the coupon code is just no gun control 19. Or is it No Gun Control 2019? I don't know. It's on the homepage of our website. So you go check it out. And that is our sponsor today. So go get yourself a new holster or some dummy ammo or a training tool or um, I don't know, Mantis X, something that otherwise you might not normally buy at retail price. 20% is off a pretty good deal. Brian, what's your next thing? Like, you know, what's the next thing you're going to be adding to your range bag? Like, what's what's your next? Is, it could be a gun or a piece of gear. Like, what's what are you budgeting for right now or shopping for? Man, I got a lot of stuff uh, that I'd probably like to go after. Um, I think probably um, I'm always in the market for a new flashlight. Um, I love my flashlights. I, I have a hard time turning those down. I'm really interested in uh, the Olight. Um, I'm spacing on uh, the type. It's that rechargeable one, the small one that fits at the end of the Glock. Yeah, uh, the new, the new. It's like the Mini Two or the Mini something like it. Yeah, the PL Two Mini or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, 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 yeah I've yeah. been really eyeballing that. I think that'd probably be a pretty good purchase to have. Olight does a good job uh, price-wise, I think, on their products. And uh, I, I, I generally think that they're pretty easy to activate their lights. Uh, they're still a little bit of an unproven brand to me. But, I, I, dude, you, you own more flashlights than anyone I know, so I'll just take your word on it. I just like the concept. I like that it's rechargeable. I like that it's kind of small, low profile. It's got a decent output on lumens. Yep. Um, it, definitely not as vetted as, you know, Surefire, Streamlight, or any of those. But, sure. uh definitely want the look yeah yeah so there you have it guys brian's always in the market for a light um my next purchase will probably be a new gun i'm looking at the new 509 mid-size 
that is uh, red dot ready. It's optic ready. So that's probably my next purchase. But whatever your next purchase is, go check out consultcare.com forward slash shop. Give us a chance during your business. And this week only up until through November 3rd, I think, use uh, use coupon code no gun control 2019 for 20% off. Okay. Brian, you ready for some seriousness? I'm ready for it. I guess we do have to introduce you. So Brian, tell everybody your, your like quick and dirty background. Oh man, quick and dirty. All right. Um, so um, I uh, was in the military. I was a corpsman for the Marine Corps. Uh, it's kind of like a medic if you don't know what that is. Um, spent a little bit of time in Afghanistan. Um, since I got out of the military, I kind of kicked around, done a, done a few different jobs, usually within uh, the military or uh, in the gun community. Worked in a gun shop, uh, worked in an ammunition factory for a little while, did some uh, instructor, instructor work for combat trauma management. Um, active shooters, um, some uh, range time, that kind of stuff. Um, then I uh, picked up uh, working for uh, concealedcarry.com and uh, been writing for you guys uh, for the past year. Yeah. So Brian does great work. He researches a lot of uh, DGUs and justified save stories for us, writes those up and, and does a lot of testing of uh, product and gear. And he is our kind of in-house uh, medical expert related to all things uh, trauma and, and, and medic. So uh, we appreciate the expertise that uh, Brian brings to concealedcare.com, and thanks for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Okay. So, Brian, I think I think here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share the rough generic fact pattern of these news stories we're talking about today, and then I think maybe we go through each one and just kind of quickly review each, you know, each one's kind of uniqueness, and then from there, maybe we pick out some, some lessons learned. Does that sound like a good approach? Yeah, sounds good to me. There you go. Uh, a comment here from Ghost Tactical who's watching on Facebook. He says, Corman, only squids I like. Yeah, we got a couple of Marines who work for us as well. And they, they said we could only hire a Navy guy if he was a corpsman. So that's how Brian got in. It's a weird, unique relationship, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Either way, you know, when someone's patching you up, you don't really care what department they hail from. Uh, oh, sorry, I got it. I got a tangent on this, Brian, real quick. Just, just because it's you and me. Have you seen all the stories about you know the ISIS leader that was taken down over the weekend? Yes. Yeah. And it's like the 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 I mean the the big story on this, other than whether or not Trump did a good job with the announcement, I really don't care. But the big story is the dog. Everyone's talking about the dog. Have you seen all the news articles about the dog that was injured? No, I haven't. Oh, dude, it's, it's like all I could see in my news feed yesterday. Maybe it's because I subscribed to dog stuff. But apparently in this raid, um, the you know no, no U.S. service you know, personnel were injured, but there was a U.S. personnel dog or whatever we would call it, canine unit, that was injured in a suicide bomb. And so this dog apparently... Is uh, is recovering well, and he's he's a hero. And you know, it's funny because I guess we can't talk about you know the soldiers that were involved in the action, but we can talk about the dog apparently. So, you know, go Conan. Apparently, the dog's name is Conan. So that's that's my two cents for the U.S. military today. Is thank goodness for those dogs. My experience with uh, the military working dogs, uh, we had some of those uh, the bomb sniffer dogs that when I was in Afghanistan, and uh, one of them got hit by an IED. And uh, they teach them to cover down uh, whenever they, they smell the IED. They teach them to, you know, sit right away and cover down. And she sat down right on it. Her name was Lydia. I still remember her name because it was like it was like a weird little experience when 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 I heard that uh, we had lost her to that. 
it was uh it felt bad felt no. like you know not quite like you know losing a brain or anything like that but you know it doesn't sit with you too too good yeah we you know all loss of life is not cool right but um i think you know we we have dogs in the military specifically to save human life right that that is like our main objective there and so you know those those sacrifices are still important and valid and expensive but um better better than than the marine i guess yeah uh tough stuff now, and you mentioned didn't you also didn't they also have just um what's the word i'm looking for like emotional like therapy dogs too yeah the service dogs yeah yeah, I've uh, I've heard a, I've heard a lot about them, um, but I haven't had any experience you with didn't them. Have any experience with anyway, I'm a I'm a raving fan. All right, sorry for the tangent. It was just timely, and I knew that you know since I'm just a boring, you know house, you know armchair quarterback, and you've actually seen combat. I, I wanted to I wanted to talk about the dog because I love dogs. All right, so here's the fact pattern, and here's roughly like I'm I'm being a little generic because each one's a little different, but but here's roughly the fact pattern. Uh, cops have reason to go to address. You know, alarm is triggered, a uh, call of suspicious activity, something, right? We, we got to go check this house out. So, so cops show up at, at address and they approach cautiously. Maybe they're looking through some windows. Maybe they even walk the perimeter in the yard and shine some flashlights around. And they see inside the house a person with a gun in hand and they shoot the person through that, you know, through the house, either through a window or through the door or through the glass next to the door or something. And it turns out person they shot is an innocent homeowner who happened to be armed because they heard suspicious activity outside, probably a cop walking around their house. That is the rough fact pattern. And we've seen it in relatively recent history. And so I think, you know, Brian, let's kind of go through these. So uh, let's start with uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and then then from there we're going to go to Oklahoma City. I, and I don't know how familiar you are with these, Brian. I know that I sent you a link, and we we kind of looked at these quickly in the last little little bit. Do you want to go through any of these? All right, um, and this is coming from uh, the state, uh, which is the the website that this is from, um, and it starts. Title is uh, Deputy Responding to an Alarm Call Shoots Armed Homeowner in South Carolina. Uh, the body camera video shows a deputy look into a home through a window by the door and shoot the armed man inside. The man turned out to be the homeowner who was startled by the Greenville County Sheriff's Office deputy outside, police said. After the deputy shoots the homeowner through the doorway, he yells Sheriff's Office to the man inside, according to the video. Who are you? Call the cops, the man shouts from inside. I am the cops, the officer responds, as seen in the video. The deputy was responding to an alarm activation June 14th at the home in Simpsonville, South Carolina, Sheriff's Office Captain Tim Brown said in a video released by the department. The Sheriff's Office originally said the homeowner pulled open the door and pointed a gun at the deputy. The state reports, but the video shows that this is not the case. When the officer let's, goes back let's inside... pause there, Brian. Yeah, right. so I think we got the gist. So this is, and this is a good one because we got body cam footage and I've reviewed the video. So... When this first happened, the officer claimed that uh, when they approached the house from an alarm call, that the door was opened and that the homeowner opened the door with gun in hand and so officer fired. But it turns out when we review the body cam footage, that's not the case. This officer was less than truthful. The door was never opened. There was never any direct interaction between the officer and the homeowner. Instead, 
effectively the officer just saw the homeowner with the gun in hand through kind of like a side glass uh, window next to the door and started shooting. And that's, that's basically how this one went down. Mm-hmm. Not cool. Not cool. All right. Uh, and, and before we go too much further, let me just you know clarify for those of you who are listening or watching, it is not me and Brian's intent today to rag on law enforcement uh, or first first responders. That is not the point. This we we are not talking about these stories at all for with any any intent to discuss whether or not the actions of law enforcement were good or bad or could have been better. Uh, I mean, anytime innocent people get hurt, I think some mistakes. Uh, might have been made, but that's really not the point. That's that's not our arena. Our arena on this podcast, on this show, is to discuss what us, the gun owners, the normal, boring, non-law enforcement uh, civilians, can learn from these circumstances. So let me just you know just to get that out uh, in advance. All right, so let's go to the next one. So the next one, uh, this one from kfor dot com. This one, Oklahoma City, from August twenty seventh. Uh, let me, I'll, I'll get into this one. So here we go. Um, officials are investigating an officer involved shooting in Northwest Oklahoma city. It happened just after 10 30 PM on a Monday. According to the police officers responded to an alarm call in the area. Sound familiar? Just like the last one, right? Alarm goes off. Two officers arrived at the scene and knocked on the front door of the address. Officials say officers could see a man come toward the front door with a gun pointed at them. The officers retreated and fired their weapons at the, the man inside the house. Okay. At, at which point the man inside the house retreats further back in the house, you know, cause he's getting shot at and uh, he, t- you know, the, he communicates that he's the homeowner. No one ends up getting injured on this one and all is well. That's roughly the gist of the story. So, so there's some things that are similar about this one. Some things that are, are different, right, Brian? Right. So you ha- you still have officers responding to an alarm. You still have a door that never gets opened. Um, but, you know, I guess at least in this one, no one gets injured. But otherwise, it seems pretty dang comparable, right? I mean, it seems the same. Yeah, and it seems like uh, what what the um, these have in common is a uh, lack of communication. The homeowner is not saying, hey, I have a gun. Who's in my house? And, um, and at least in that last case, um, in that first article, uh, the homeowner didn't know that somebody was in there. And I have heard of uh, cases where the homeowner will have a hearing aid problem or something like that. And then they won't hear that the cops announce themselves and that could be an issue as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to get more into this, but you know, we have, you also have issues between the alarm company and law enforcement, you know, when an alarm goes off, it's not like, it's not like police call the house, you know, an alarm company receives that alarm, the alarm, different alarm companies have different procedures about how they deal with that. And then they communicate in theory to the law enforcement and dispatch and how, what they, what they communicate, and what they pass on may vary. So anyway, that's, that's a whole nother ball game as well. Uh, so it's a little bit ugly. All right, let's go to the third one. This one out of Texas somewhere. I can't remember where. In, oh, Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas. All right. So this one is uh, early October. I think the incident itself took place on like October 10th or 11th. Uh, the news story is from October 12th, and this is from uh, the local NBC affiliate. And rough story short is, uh, you know, law enforcement uh, arrive at the home, and they, you know, we, we have body cam footage on this one as well. So they approach the house. Uh, they're looking all around the property. You know, they're walking around. They're looking at the garage. They're looking in the backyard, uh, doing all sorts of stuff. They finally get to the uh, the front 
you know, kind of toward the front of the house, they, they shine a flashlight into a window. This, this window is not next to the front door, to be clear. This is not like, it's, it's more like a room, an interior room of the house. They shine a flashlight into, the, into a window and uh, they see in there a, uh, a woman with a firearm in her hand and the immediate shots fired. I mean, boop, got to start shooting, shots fired. Minutes before she was shot and killed by a Fort Worth police officer at Tiana, at T- Tiana, Kay Jefferson was playing video games in her bedroom with her eight-year-old nephew. Uh, Miss Jefferson, 28, was proud of being a cool auntie to her siblings' children. Um, basically, what she was doing, uh, she was in playing uh, late at night with her uh, around 2.30 a.m., and uh, an officer came up and shined a uh, flashlight through the window. She grabbed a gun out of her purse, if I remember right, and um, pointed it at the window, and the officer shot her through the window. Yeah, that's not good. That is not good at all. So, so let's let's identify some of the commonalities here. So, commonality number one in all in all these circumstances, the officer saw uh, someone with a gun inside the home. Right in every circumstance, an officer saw someone with a gun inside the home. Um, in, in all three of these circum- in all three of these particular stories, that person holding the gun was innocent, had not done anything wrong at all, uh, lived in that home, and had the gun purely for self-defense reasons. So it would seem very unjust. Like it's really easy to want to point fingers at the law enforcement officers and say, hey, you know, what's wrong with these guys? Uh, that they would do something like this. You know, why wouldn't they announce themselves? Why wouldn't they do X, Y, and Z? It's real easy to, to point fingers. And if it was just one incident, I, I myself would be really inclined to sort of, you know, really, you know, dial in on all the mistakes made by the officer or officers. But when you have four or three or however, you know, however many there might be out there that, that are you know, similar to this fact pattern, w- when you have that many, I start to say to myself, okay, well, what do I have control over here? Because I don't have, personally, I, Jacob, do not have control over law enforcement training. I do not have control over uh, how they respond in those kind of circumstances. I have control over what I do, how I respond, and how I set up my defense. And so that, that's really where we need to spend some time to discuss it. So, Brian, let's start with communication. You mentioned communication. Um, certainly, you know, there, there's a hope or an expectation in terms of what the officers might do. But what could we do if we were the homeowners in these circumstances what might we do to, to you know, mitigate the risk of this happening to us? Well, I know one of the tactics um, is to barricade yourself in your home and not go looking for the threat if you think that there's somebody out there. I know I, I of course, I don't subscribe to that myself. I, whenever I hear a noise in the middle of the night, I go to go look and find out what it is that's going on. Um, and then, of course, being a flashlight guy, flashlights are very important for being able to figure out what it is that's going on. You have to be able to identify your uh, your threat. So if you have a flashlight and you're going through, um, that's that's going to be important to uh, knowing who it is that that's outside your home. So if it's a cop, you don't shoot at them because I've, there are cases of homeowners shooting cops as well um, because they don't know who it is that's outside. So um, being able, I know uh, there's conflicted theories about whether or not to announce yourself to the police um, or whoever is out there say, you know, I've got a gun, don't come in or I will shoot. You know, a police officer is going to say, hey, police department, and then you'll know, you know, what's going on. Um, But at the same time, you're also revealing your location. So if anybody wants to start shooting at you, 
they know where 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 to fire those rounds at. So there is that as well. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's yeah, uh, good points. Let's kind of start at the beginning a little bit on this. So <clears throat> you, you hear the noise, you get up to go check it out. Now, in, in a couple of these, not all of these incidents, but in a few of them, uh, a home alarm went off. So, you know, I have to assume that either the homeowner, you know, was the, what triggered the alarm or knew that the alarm had gone off, probably. I mean, I, I, I think most alarm systems are such that a person would know when their own alarm goes off. So they kind of have some sense that something's going on. But let's say, you know, that maybe an alarm didn't go off either. Uh, you just retrieve the gun, you hear a noise, some, some, some sound outside, someone's walking around, whatever. And so you decide to, to do something about it. Uh, you mentioned, Brian, this idea of, well, maybe we shouldn't go looking for the threat. Well, I, I think there's a difference between I know there's a threat in my home. And so I'm going to take the best tactical response, you know, re- response plan I can get, which might be to barricade and isolate, right? Uh, but sometimes, and I think most of the time, right, we, we don't know if there's a threat. We just hear a sound. And in this case, the sound's probably even coming from outside. And so we're just kind of inclined to check it out. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. Uh, but a little communication might go a long way. Now, there is there's a consideration that, you know, when we're on different sides of, a, of an exterior wall, it might be hard to hear too. If, if I'm calling out, if the officer's calling out, we may not hear each other. I myself am hard of hearing. I'm, I'm 90% deaf in one of my ears. And so I don't hear particularly well. Um, and, and, and that's something we might not think about uh, or, or we, may, we, you know, we need to consider is that at, at our best efforts to communicate, we may not, may not be able to hear anything. Uh, but certainly if I call dispatch, right, if I called 911 and said, I think someone's sneaking around outside my house, uh, here's my address, they would be able to identify pretty quickly, uh, yeah, we got a car there. You know, we, we have an officer right there on scene, you know, responding, um, you know, where are you in the home and such and such, you know, as the conversation might go, go on. I think you could also look at it as if, you know, if you're getting shot by a cop, you could just as likely have been shot by a criminal. So you might be using poor tactics, you know, um, you should be moving from cover to cover, you know, and, and not be staying in the middle of a hallway or something like that. If you think that there's uh, something going on, you don't want to expose yourself to anybody who might shoot you through the window, whether it is a cop or a criminal. So yep. you know, use uh, utilizing cover is important. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you touched on several different tactics that I think are critical. You said utilizing cover, which I think is huge. Right. If if I think someone's about to come busting through my front door, I'm not going to stand on the other side of the front door and wait for him. Right. I'm putting myself in a very bad tactical position. Uh, I'm going to put distance between me and that door. I'm going to put cover to the best of my ability between me and that door, so that I maximize the amount of time I have to respond appropriately. Uh, and should they, you know, be an officer who looks through a window and sees me, hopefully I got some cover between me and the officer. Um, I think the other you know, kind of aspect of this is what I'm doing with the gun itself. You know, what I'm doing with the gun itself, because uh, at least in one of these circumstances, it appears from the from the body cam footage that the homeowner kind of pointed the gun. In fact, it says it says in the article something to the effect of they heard a noise and so they pointed the gun toward the exterior of the home, thinking, "Oh, is there someone out there?" And so officer looks and sees not only is there someone in there holding a gun, but that gun is pointed at them, right? So what am I doing when I respond relative to that gun? If I'm, if I'm dressed and then hopefully I have a holster, I may not even have drawn it yet. I might just have my hand on the gun ready to draw, or I might have the gun in hand, but maybe I'm being very thoughtful about muzzle direction or how I'm positioning it. You know, criminals never use like a, an actual like firearm position. Like you never see a criminal in like position sewel you know, with their gun like that or in a high compressed ready or like that's just not a thing. 
Uh, so, so being thoughtful about how I manage my firearm such that I don't look like a threat. And if possible, I minimize the odds of someone seeing that I have a gun in my hand. That's going to go a long way. Last, last thought, uh, you know, oh, I, I'm going to just reply to a comment here. Chad Ina says that there's generally no cover in your home. You know, Chad, I, I get what you said. You know, as, a, as an industry, we kind of have this idea of cover versus concealment, cover being things that stop bullets, concealment being things that don't. Um, there are some things in the home that arguably might be covered depending on a variety of number of circumstances. But for me personally, I've, I've moved away from the whole cover versus concealment concept. And I now just refer to cover versus less good cover, like good cover, bad cover, you know, marginal cover, really good cover. And so for me, you know, because there's a psychological factor that if, if we think of something as concealment, therefore we don't use it as cover, uh, we're, we're, we're increasing our risk, right? Concealment, while not as good as cover, is better than nothing because generally bad guys don't shoot at what they can't see. Now, the research is pretty strong on that. So anyway, just to, to I guess, both address the Chad's comment but also respond to anyone who's, who's uh, going to call me out for using the word cover uh, some cover is better than others. Uh, so what you might normally think of as concealment, I generally just consider less good cover or bad cover. Uh, but it, gen- it still has its role in a gunfight and it's better than nothing. And putting something between you and the potential threat is a good way of going. And when we're talking about whether or not the officer is going to look in the home and see someone holding a gun in their hand, concealment is definitely just as good as cover in, in, in doing what's necessary to prevent the officer from seeing my gun. So for whatever, for whatever that's worth. Last thing you, you hinted at, Brian, I'm going to pass this back to you as you said, uh, minimizing the odds that they would just see you. And I think that this kind of leads into a conversation about window covering, you know, just covering up some windows. Yeah, pulling the blinds down at least, you know, and, and when you're at home and you don't need them, you know, you could at least uh, inhibit their view to get see in. Yeah, I, I can't... <sighs> I can't think of a single thing more valuable, generally speaking, to one's personal safety and security in their home than ensuring that no one can see into their home, particularly at the front door. I I can't think of a single one thing that would be more valuable than making sure that someone on your front porch can't see into your home. You know, so if you have a glass feature in your front door, you know, spraying it with that frost paint or covering it up with something, or if you have that window that goes kind of vertical along next to the door, covering that with something. Uh, I, can't, I can't think of something more valuable than that single thing. <laughs> it's making sure that when someone's standing on your front step, they can't see into your home. That would go a long, long way. Uh, but certainly some of these news stories didn't take place at the front, front door. They took space through a, a living room window or even a side, a, a side window of the house. And so generally speaking, like you said, Brian, just, you know, pulling the blinds closed or pulling the drapes closed, especially at night when you're dealing with, uh, with lighting issues. Because if it's dark outside and you have a light on in the house and, and the window is not covered, it's really easy for someone to see in. If I'm the officer responding, I, I'm, in, I'm in the dark outside. You can't see me, but I can see everything in the house if the light's on. And in the first incident that we saw in South Carolina, that was kind of what happened is the officer shows up, the porch is completely dark, the porch light's not on, they look through the side window next to the door, and inside is a a light on, and they can see the homeowner walking around with a gun in hand. Again, whether or not the officer's actions were good or bad, you know, that's that's not for us to say today, Uh, but... If the you know if we'd had a dis, that disparity of lighting causes a problem, uh, so the more we can we can minimize the disparity of lighting, whether that's you know, keep it dark inside so I match 
you know, they can't see in or turn lights on outside so that they're both areas are bright. That, you know, that, that makes it like daytime when it's harder to see into the house or just cover the windows. What do you think about some of those thoughts, Brian? Definitely. I think uh, you should always be prepping uh, your castle for defense, you know, making sure that your defenses are adequate, uh, good lighting, of course, good landscaping, making sure your bushes and hedges are trimmed and all that, I think, of course, is, is very important. Yeah. But sometimes, sometimes things are going to happen, you know, and, and if you saw in that video with um, this in South Carolina where that deputy fired through the, the front window up next to the door, um, he, he goes in and starts treating them with, you know, tourniquets and all that kind of stuff. So part of your defenses should be having a, you know, a quality medical kit nearby and, and knowing how to use it, of course. Yeah, yeah. We're, getting, we're touching on Brian land now, like sensitive Brian topics. <laughs> yeah. uh, you've got to have that medical gear handy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I hope, I, you know, so just, I'm going to recap some of the things we discussed. We discussed, uh, how we're managing the gun, whether or not it's still in the holster, if it comes out. And if so, what, you know, in what position I might be holding it or carrying it. We talked about putting cover between us and an exterior wall or a potential threat, or in this case, an officer who's just out there. We talked about covering the windows, uh, especially those at the front door where I'm going to, you know, my intent is to come to that door to answer when someone knocks, whatever it might be. Um, we talked about uh, the light disparity, which means, you know, managing the light inside the house, but also managing the light outside the house, having good bright porch light, having floodlights, uh, motion sense lights, all, all those kinds of things, and, and doing other things to minimize the odds of an officer being on uh, high alert, you know, by having good trimmed uh, vegetation. So there's not, you know, they don't have to worry about people hiding, you know, behind the bush and all those kinds of things. I think that all goes a long way uh, to some of these issues. I, I want to I uh, think a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about alarm systems. Brian, I'm not going to make you disclose whether or not your home has an alarm system. And I'm certainly not going to disclose that about my home. But, you know, most of the time when, when a home alarm goes off, what happens is the alarm company has a monitoring uh, center or they've paid for a third-party monitoring center. But this monitoring center is not law enforcement individuals. They're just humans who sit in a call center and they thing flashes on computer, you know, alarm's been sounded. And then depending on the monitoring uh, company, they have a procedure to follow, right? The procedure might involve contacting that homeowner and saying, hey, you know, is everything okay? They might place a phone call to a phone number or they might be able to talk directly through like a control board or, or unit at the house and ask for a, a safe word or a safe code or something like that. Uh, and depending on the procedure and depending on the response, if they do that, they then would contact law enforcement and say, hey, we got an alarm. You know, will you please respond? And law enforcement is under no obligation to respond to those alarms. Uh, they, they, you know, depending on their availability, they, they, I, I think they would endeavor to, re, to respond to that kind of an issue where possible. Uh, and that, that's kind of how that would go down. So what, what, if anything, do we learn from these incidents? I think about, you know, how to manage an alarm going off or anything like that, Brian. Hmm. Well, I think, um, I know in, in the, in the case of the South Carolina, um, shooting, um, the homeowner said that he didn't even have an alarm system. So, I mean, you could, it could still t potentially happen to you if you don't even have an alarm the, the cop might have showed up at the wrong place and wrong address windows and wrong address yep. so i mean you have that um as well um when it comes to the uh, the alarm systems um i don't know um I, I mean i think for me i would just say you know the alarm system helps me when i know what's happening right so i, I would i would ask my alarm company 
you know, if my, if my alarm goes off, what is your, what is your procedure? I would want to know. I would just want to know what is the procedure? Are they going to contact me? Uh, are they going to text? Can they text me and my wife and these three other phone numbers that I've designated? Uh, will can you know? Can they uh, before they contact law enforcement? Are there any other steps they take to verify um, the validity of the alarm you know that's gone off? I I think I think for me the biggest key is knowing what the parameters are. What is the procedure for your alarm company should your alarm go off? And if there's options, if you have any choice in that procedure, uh, knowing what those options are so that you have some control over deciding what is done. I, that, that's, I guess that's my big thought is just, do you know what your alarm company's procedure is? And do you know if you have any control over that procedure? Can you dictate some things that they do or don't do uh, when your alarm goes off? I agree. I think, uh, I think you could also. Um um, support your security system with, you know, a couple of cameras. I know, um, there, uh, some of the cameras that I have are from wise and they're like $35 and they just hook straight into your Wi-Fi. You can look at them from your, your, your smartphone, um, 35 bucks and, and it'll cover like a large area, you know? So if you do hear that bump in the night, you can turn on, you know, take a look at all your cameras, look at the outside and the inside, you know, before you actually go out to take a look. Yep. Yep. And I think I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, I don't know if that, I don't know if that was on my list of topics, but I think it's very valid. This idea of being able to just see what's going on without having to put yourself at risk. Right. And, and a lot of people have today have like the doorbell style cameras uh, or other exterior cameras that could be built into your alarm system or it could be separate. You can just buy cameras. Like you mentioned a company, drop cams one, um, you know, Foscam has a lot of wireless IP cameras you can go buy. So, so there's a lot of options of things you can do like along those lines. And, and if you think that there's an officer responding to your home, I guess don't go walking toward the door with a gun. <laughs> you know, like, and, and in these cases, these people did not know. They had no idea that an officer was on the other side of the door. Uh, not, not a single one of the incidents that we've reviewed. But if you did, if you knew the alarm had gone off, if you knew that you had called dispatch, or if you checked the camera and you saw that there were people with badges out there, I would not go knocking at the door with my gun. So I would, I would be thoughtful about what that looks like. And getting on the phone with dispatch so you have a way to communicate with those people without putting yourself in jeopardy sounds like a good, a good plan of action if you know that there's law enforcement at the door. All right. Not a long conversation today from Brian and I, but anything we're missing, Brian, anything else that is worth kind of talking about in this little fact pattern that we've identified? Medical. Oh, yeah. We got to go back Medical. to that. So you mentioned it quickly. <laughs> but in this case, uh, between these incidents that we looked at, I think we have at least one fatality, um, you know, the person who, who, was, who was declared dead at the scene. And we have some other, other incidents where people were injured um, but I think we just have the one fatality from these news stories that you and I have reviewed today. Um, it's getting more and more common that law enforcement would have right on their person, on their duty belt, some sort of medical gear, or at least a tourniquet. Uh, but certainly in, the, in a squad car, they would probably have something. And to your point, you, know, you as the homeowner, focusing today on what you have control over, you can control that. And we talk a lot about EDC and what you can carry on you, but it's certainly not that challenging to just have a couple of good medical uh, you know, kits staged at various points in the home, the same way you might stage guns or other things. So, fire extinguisher. Yeah, yeah, like a fire extinguisher. So, so Brian, let's, let's talk. I would like to hear from you, you being a person who, in my mind, is probably as hardcore uh, as anyone I know in this topic. Like, how many medical kits do you have 
staged for access in your home? Or, or even better, if you want to just give us an idea of like, what's your strategy in determining where to stage one? Um, well, just like a fire extinguisher, I would stage it in a place that's easily accessible and a place that everybody um, everybody knows where it's at. It doesn't do you any good if nobody knows or remembers that that you put the, your medical kit up in this particular cabinet. Um, I keep one next to my door um, in the back door of my home, one in my car, and um, another one in uh, the bathroom in our, in our master bedroom. And I like to put them in places where I'll see them often. Because if you don't see it all the time, you'll forget that it's there. And after a couple of months, you won't even remember it. And just like if a fire happens, you don't know where your fire extinguisher is going to be. It's not going to do you any good. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that you have you have multiple ones stages in, in a couple of different locations. I love what you said about it being visible so people see it, know it's there. Uh, I, I think it also needs to be somewhere where it's easy to describe to someone. You know, if you have a guest in the home or a friend or a buddy or a police officer who just shot you and you need to describe to somebody else where that medical kit is, uh, I think it needs to be something you can, you know, that you can describe and they could, you know, go access very quickly and easily. Absolutely. Uh, so I think that, that'd be, that'd be important. Um, we as a company, yeah, yeah. As a, as a company, Brian uh, and I and others involved in the business, we're working on putting together some medical kits that we'll be selling probably in the new year. It's probably a 2020 uh, kind of thing. But but Brian, quickly give us a rundown. Like give us the you know the top ten like things that just got to be in that kit. Well, obviously you're going to have to have a tourniquet. Um, you you're probably not going to get shot in your own home by a cop. You know, obviously these these events have happened, but you're probably going to probably going to have a, some sort of other medical issue. Um, I know uh, we've had somebody within the company that we knew that fell off a roof and cut herself on the way down, and she needed to use a tourniquet to to save her life until uh, medical could get there for her. So you never know when you're going to have you know a threatening life bleed. So you want to make sure that you've got the tourniquet in there for that. Um, and then in the event that you do are faced with uh, gunfire, you want to make sure that you have uh, the chest seals be able to treat that. Uh, I'm not sure how many police departments are stocking chest seals or give them to their uh, patrol units when they go out. Um, and, and that can help. You should probably have uh, medical um, in route and, and helping you before any problems with that you might need a chest seal for. Um, but having that on hand and nearby could be definitely beneficial. And of course, some hemostatic agents like, uh, you know, quick clot and that kind of thing uh, could definitely help. Yeah. So you mentioned tourniquet, which is really to, you know, stop a major bleed out on, on an exterior, right on a leg, on an arm. You mentioned chest seals, uh, you know, which are for things that are not legs and arms. Um, and then you mentioned some sort of uh, hemostatic, right? Like, like a quick clot or, or, or comparable, uh, option. So I think that that's all sounds very valid and important to me. Uh, if we again would encourage people to always check concealedcarry.com forward slash shop to shop for such things. We have a decent little uh, selection of stuff there, right, Brian? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I like, I like the stuff we've got. And it's been growing dramatically since you started working here. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how those things go. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up today. One last reminder. Today's episode was brought to you by our no gun control sale. Use coupon code no gun control 2019 through the end of the week for 20% off site wide. Also, I didn't mention it earlier, but you should probably check out our door ambush program. We have a, a video training. Uh, Riley and I are the instructors on that training. It runs about 45 minutes long. It's a $10 uh, 
training. You know, so you can buy the DVD for 10 bucks plus shipping, or you can buy the streaming version. Actually, I think they're sold together. I think you just pay 10 bucks and you get both. You get the DVD and you get streaming access. And you can learn more about that at www.concealedcarry forward slash door ambush. And I think it covers a lot of the things we're talking about uh, in this conversation today relative to dealing with threats uh, at the door. So hopefully that, that's also something people find valuable. Guys, if you haven't already, make sure you go to uh, iTunes and leave us a review of the podcast. Give us five stars and you know, write us some feedback. We'd really appreciate that. If you have any suggestions on topics or content or feedback or anything, you can always email us podcast at concealedcarry.com. And don't forget to check out the other podcasts in our network, the Not Your Average Gun Girls podcast and the Firearm Trainers podcast. Before we let you go, we do need to pull a winner from this week's giveaway. So uh, if you don't already know, every single week we do a giveaway here on the podcast. We draw the winner every Tuesday. So you can always go to www.concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize to enter the weekly giveaway. It's, it's, the URL never changed. So just always go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and enter. And uh, when you're entered, you, know, you don't need to be live with us on Facebook or anything like that. Uh, when we record the episode each Tuesday, we just pull a winner and it could be anyone who's entered. It does not need to be someone uh, who, you know, who's live here with us on online. So if you just go to you know, concealedcare.com forward slash podcast prize and enter every week, you can win. So this week we are giving away a uh, tube of quick draw. Brian, you have any experience with quick draw? Have you ever used it? I haven't, no. Yeah, it's a quick draw. It's a holster lubricant. And this is, uh, you know, I use it like if I get a, a Kydex holster that's really stiff on the gun and it doesn't have adjustable retention, I'll just spray some quick draw in there and that'll, that'll just, you know, loosen it enough that I still have good retention, but it doesn't really inhibit my draw. I can get the gun quickly. Um, and you, you can use it on any sort of holster material from Kydex to leather. And it's, uh, it also will kind of pre- create a protective letter, be- a, a layer uh, between the gun and the holster, so you don't get any kind of abrasions on the metal or anything like that. It's a really nice product. You don't, you know, very little of it goes a long way. So, one one uh, can of this stuff will last you quite a while. So today, we're going to announce the winner of the quick draw. I am hitting the button here to add a winner, and today's winner is Tracy H. Last name starts with an H. Tracy, uh, you have the numbers 169 in your email address. So Tracy H with 169 in your email address, you are the winner. I will send you an email uh, here as soon as we get done recording and we'll get your address and we'll get you shipped out your quick draw. And everyone, don't forget to go to concealedcare.com forward slash podcast prize each week to have your chance to enter to win. David's asking, uh, he'd like to know what brand Brian uses for medical gear. That is a topic for another day, David, but don't you worry. We're going to give Brian an opportunity to talk all about it. Brian, any last words for the group here? No, I think uh, one more thing I was thinking about that you could add to that medical kit uh, that you keep stashing in your house is any pertinent medical information. So if you have any um, medical problems or any family members with medical problems, having some sort of a card in there that describes those, uh, if you have any allergies to medications, latex, that kind of stuff, uh, that that would be a pretty handy thing to have. If you're diabetic, uh, maybe that card would probably have a blood type list on it or something like that too. Blood thinner medication, that kind of thing is pretty important. Yep. Yeah, good thoughts. All right. Well, with that, thanks everyone for joining us today. Remember to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. 
Find you that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.